0: a fun series that we've been working on uh, for the last little while, at least least I think, you know, fun series. Um, We're calling it, uh, he said, what? The crazy sayings of Jesus. Today actually marks a transition point in the series. We've been working on the, the crazy sayings of Jesus. They're crazy because of how absolutely difficult they are. It's just as I prayed, how not just to understand it, but to actually live it out and follow through on it. It's like Jesus deliberately sets the bar so high, so far out of reach that we can't possibly think that he's serious. I mean, it's better to go into eternal life with one hand than hell without a hand or a foot. You've got to be kidding me. That's an exaggeration, right? Right? Jesus doesn't exaggerate. He means it. It's just these crazy, difficult statements. Our last one is coming up today in just a minute. We'll get there. But next week is a transition. It's going to be crazy statements of Jesus, crazy state sayings. Except for this time, they're just crazy because they're bizarre. Like, like I, don't, I just don't quite get it. So next week, we're going to look at uh, Jesus saying to his disciples, You know, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a bolt of lightning. At which point, I just imagine all of the disciples kind of like smiling and nodding, like <laughs> "We'll get the explanation later, right? Yeah, okay, you'll ask them. <laughs> you know, that's next week. This week, um, difficult words, crazy because of how hard it is. Um, I want you to. We'll get to the very, the very end, you know, just spoiler alert. This is what the, the crazy statement is. Jesus says, uh, finishes off a story where he, he finishes the line about a man who was handed over, the king hands him over to some jailers to be tortured until he pays back a monumental debt. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says this in verse 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You get why it's, it's crazy sayings of Jesus, right? I mean, we just hear a story about a man who's handed over to, uh, to torturers to pay a debt that there's no way that he can pay back. And Jesus says, oh, and by the way, this is how it works with you and God. <laughs> I, don't if, I don't know if you have the same reaction as I do, but like, a statement like that terrifies me. <laughs> At the same time, it just confuses me, right? Because it seems so uncharacteristic of the God we're used to hearing about when we come to church or when we read a devotional or when we go online to do a little like research about who God is or questions to be answered. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, broad scope. Before we get there, I just want to look at this from uh, you know a mile up or so, and to say what 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 are we answering here? What are we addressing here? What's Jesus? Where is he going with this? Um, we're going to be looking this morning at the simple question: Who should I forgive? Or, or even more broadly, like like should I, should I forgive? Um, questions after that about how do I act how does this change the relationship no 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 we're not going to go into any of that um, different explanation different you know scenarios just uh, something happens babysitter you get her over here you know a couple of hours here's my phone if you need me call you know the wife whatever um, get back and there's like a hundred and twenty seven dollars in apps you're like I didn't know there was that much on the app I thought they were all free uh, question should I forgive a neighbor, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, stereo is still pumping away, and you're just fed up with it because this is not the first and it will not be the last time it's happened. Question: Should I forgive? Is what's addressed here. Questions abound where we just ask, like, broad scope, man: Should I forgive? Not do I hire the babysitter again? Not do I ask him to turn it down one more time? No, no, no. None of that. Just the simple question: Should I forgive? Jesus goes, Listen, you, you better forgive. You don't even have to ask, should I forgive? Dude, you know the answer already. And if you don't, if you don't, it, it seems, seems like God wouldn't forgive you. Just adding on the, the confusion, you know, this isn't the first time. We don't have to go to Matthew 18 to, to find this. We don't have to go to any, like, obscure passages in the Bible, like things in the back that aren't, like, mentioned very often. You just look at the very broad scope and say, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, right sandwiched in the middle there, forgive us our debts as we (laughs) forgive our debtors. And uh, you think about that for just a second. Do we, re- do we seriously want God to forgive in the same kind of proportional uh, mechanism that we forgive other people? Aren't we hoping for a little bit better than that? And then as if just to make sure that Jesus makes absolutely abundantly clear that we actually do get the message, he finishes off the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from the evil one, and then he like breaks the prayer and then makes a commentary about it. Hey, th- that passage that's a part sandwiched in the middle that we like to skip over, Jesus follows it up right after us saying, For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then the flip side, Jesus goes on, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus, that's crazy, right? It's so far, so far out of anything that I could ever hope to accomplish. It's so far out of, Jesus, your own character. I mean, you're the guy who tells the stories, the, the, the parables about the, the, you know, the kid, the lost son. We love that one around Encounter Church because we can relate on so many levels. Jesus, you're the guy who tells the story about the kid who wants his inheritance now because he doesn't want to even wait until his dad is dead. He wants it now. He goes up, spends every last dime on wild living Like, we only use our imaginations to figure out what he means by that. But no, no. Jesus, you're the guy who tells the story about how he comes back and he's got his apology rehearsed in his mind. And by the time he gets to his father, he starts like saying it, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And dad cuts him off and said, There's no time. There's no time for that now because you're back. You're mine. Jesus, you're the guy who knows so much about forgiveness that it just exudes out of you. The tax collectors, sinners, and prostitutes, just the people that we don't even want. We feel uncomfortable being around Jesus, and you're the one who eats supper with them. Forgiveness is in your very character, which is why this doesn't make any sense at all. And on top of that, I'm just uncomfortable with it. Because if the best thing that we're hoping for is a God who forgives in the same proportion that that we forgive others, is a God that I have no business being in the presence of. And I'm guessing if you're honest with yourself, you, you would agree. Um, questions that people sometimes ask, you know, when they hear you're a pastor and you get like all kinds of crazy questions. Um, sometimes people like come up and they're like, oh yeah, all right, so tell me this one, right? Like unsolvable riddle time. Great, right. I got it all figured out, don't worry. Um, here, a uh, person on a deserted island, he's the only one around. He's never talked to another human being in his life, never had a chance to, to meet God or Jesus. Nobody ever told him about the Bible. Listen, he dies, what happens? It's like, I don't, why are you trying to stump me? Like, well, I, I don't know. So, so I asked this question, you know, sometimes, but other people went before me, and they said, you know what? I have to believe that God is at least, at least as gracious as I am. I may not know, but God is at least as gracious as I am. You know, and I love that, Right? I mean, yeah, if, I, if my heart breaks for the guy on the deserted island who never had an opportunity, I'm guessing that God's heart would also break for that. But then it takes me about 45 seconds before I start realizing, again, I'm hoping for a God who's at least as gracious as I am. And I have condemned people to eternal punishment for cutting me off in traffic. Aren't we hoping for something a little bit better than what we can offer? And lastly, just one more reason why I just said it's absolutely crazy that Jesus would ever say this. It's right here in its, in its very own context. Um, in the context of Jesus makes that bizarre statement about this is how my heavenly Father will treat everybody, uh, imprisonment, uh, unless you forgive a brother or sister from your heart. Um, he, Jesus builds up to that. That's, that line, uh, that li- one-liner, uh, comes after a short story that he tells, which comes after a simple question when Peter walks up to the rabbi and asks him, hey, so here's one. Uh, starting it off in verse 21 on the back of your flow sheets, it's the first verse out there. We'll just do this a, a couple of verses at a time and make sure we don't skip and everything. Uh, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Uh, Background on this one. This is one of those that sometimes we we come in and Jesus is so clever, you know? It's just from every perspective, there's a reason why people follow him. And I, I think it's, it's more than just the healings, you know, it's just more than the miracles. People follow him just because he's got these, these witty and clever answers to the questions asked. Um, In that time, Judaism is the system of uh, religion, the thought that they're operating in. And uh, in Judaism, there's a day, one time a year, called the Day of Atonement, where you go and you you offer your sacrifice before God, and he forgives you for the year. Well, caveat to that, in order to be able to, in good conscience, offer your sacrifice before God and be atoned for, be forgiven for the year, you have to be right with everybody else around you. And so, leading up to the day of atonement, there was a time of asking and, and offering forgiveness for each other. What they noticed along the way was that sometimes people would be be pressured into offering the forgiveness because they have to be right with each other before being coming right with god and so um, being pressured into this, they noticed that a few people were going around the camp and they were just rampantly offending everybody and, and stealing and you know, borrowing without ever giving back like that sort of thing and and this just happened over and over and over. And after a few years of offering forgiveness, they got fed up with it. And then this rule sort of evolved and they adopted. to say, listen, okay, this isn't just a, like, carte blanche to do whatever you want, okay? We're going to put some ground rules on this. We're Forgive each other, and there's grace here. So it's not just once, it's not just twice, but we're having, like, grace up to three times, So if somebody, you know, borrows and doesn't return, you can forgive once, twice, third time it's like, you know what, I am good conscience, I am good with you, I'm going in clear conscience to my God to get forgiveness. Peter flips it around and says, how many times? Jesus, I've seen how generous you are, I've seen how kind and compassionate and merciful you are in your character. Jesus, is it up to seven times? And I love the number he picks out of the air. It's not just any number, right? It's like the, the, the emotionally loaded word, a seven, perfection, wholeness, completeness. It's, it's the kind of number that would, would drive around town with a Jesus bumper, Jesus fish bumper sticker on the back with a vanity plate that says, Forgiven, right? Like, it's, it's that kind of a seven times. Like, look at that, man. I can walk the walk. I can, you know, I know the lingo. And I just imagine Jesus like, you know, face palm, right? Right? Uh, <laughs> And here's the clever part. Not just that, you know, he, he says no to seven. and Not just that he, like, comes back with, uh, you know, I tell you, not seven, but 77. He's obviously saying that there's this unlimited amount, right? It's just this, you know, a huge amount. Just forgive, forgive, forgive. The question, the answer always to the question, should I forgive, is yes. Has it changed the relationship? Probably. But should I forgive? Yes, no matter what. The clever part is that Jesus looks back in his, in his mind, in his memory, looks back to the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 4. He looks back to the primitive time, right? In the very early years, the stories of the, these very first human beings. He looks all the way back for this number, for this idea of 77 times. He looks back to a time that, that Cain murders his younger brother Abel in cold blood, uh, lies about it to, to cover it up, And then God, being merciful and forgiven again in his character, which is why this verse surprises us so much, God forgives Cain, or at least offers to protect him, and says, listen, I'm not going to allow anybody to harm you. (laughs) First murderer in world history, and God protects him. But anyway, uh, somebody makes a, a comment, a statement right after that, if we can get it on the screen, where they say, listen, if Cain is avenged seven times... Then Lamech, that's his son, 77 times. This person is making this, this bold declarative statement to say, listen, this is how we're going to operate in this new society, in, this, in these new cities that we're building, in this new culture that we're setting up. This is, we're going to operate on a system that if, if you do somebody wrong, they, will, they have the right to come back to you, not just seven times, but an unlimited amount of revenge on you. We are going to rule this thing with an iron fist so that nobody will ever think about stepping out of the line and dealing harm to another. This will be our justice penal code. Unlimited vengeance. This is the cleverness of Jesus when Peter says, like, what? forgiveness, compassion, grace, mercy. How often, or how much? Uh, Up to seven? He goes, listen, not seven, 77 times. Uh, Theologian Dale Bruner makes a comment on this uh, passage, and he goes, what Jesus is saying, he's replacing uh, unlimited revenge of primitive man to unlimited forgiveness in Christianity he turns unlimited revenge into unlimited forgiveness, compassion, mercy. Just incredible. The cleverness of Jesus throughout it all. And then he goes, listen, let me give you an example. And he tells a story. This is how it works. Uh, Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. You get the joke, right? <laughs> we got a servant who owes 10,000 bags of gold. This is, uh, this is the, the maximum amount, the highest number that you could say in the original language in Jesus' words um, in only two words. You know, if we're going to translate this maybe not technically, but, but, but to capture the essence of it, the, the, the translation would be, uh, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him a million zillion bags of gold. It's just a fantastic amount. In, in technical and literal, like you know, one-to-one trying to figure out, in, in dollars terms, a uh, s- servant comes in, goes before a judge, judge sees his name in the corner of the page looks at it you owe me some money son <laughs> yep yep <clears throat> no no you owe me 250 billion dollars <laughs> yeah yeah that's about right you owe me the gross domestic product of the great state of colorado <laughs> And I want my money. The joke of it that Jesus tells is that that money didn't even come close to existing back then. The joke that he tells is that if you add up all of the gold and the entire Roman coffers, you'd only come up with like, you'd only come up with the dollar equivalent of two hundred and fifty million dollars. Way, way beyond that is this amount. Nobody nobody could owe 10,000 bags. Nobody could owe a million, zillion dollars, let alone a servant. Herod the Great could know that. It's a joke. But, but for the sake of the parable, right? for the sake that the story that Jesus is telling, to to really hit that point home. What if it was true? You know, what if it did happen? What if there was a judge or a king who looked down at the page and sees the man's name and there was, sure enough, 10,000 bags of gold that I'm owed, and, and I'm calling it in. I want the money. What if there was a man sitting there who had squandered it all and had nothing to offer? There's a... Uh, Eugene Lowry was t- uh, speaking on, on this passage, uh, writer and, and theologian, who, who makes a, just an observation. He goes, you know, I, I just uh, imagine, like, meetings like this happen at the, at the seat of power, right? At the courthouse. You know, he goes, it's something you always notice at a courthouse is that there are inevitably stairs to climb. He says, I grew up in West Kentucky, and there wasn't a hill around, but yet when they were building the courthouses, we got earth movers and bulldozers to make a hill so that the courthouse could have stairs leading up to it. And I just imagine this man dragging him up the stairs before he meets the king. Just slowly, one at a time, shuffling along until he stands there and the king tells him, I want my money. Verse 25, since he was not able to pay, an understatement, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children... And all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. (laughs) Be patient. This is his defense. I'll pay back the money that I owe. I'll pay it all back if you, if you only are patient. Friends, do you have any idea how long it would take a man to pay back $250 billion? Assuming it's an interest-free loan that he's working off, he would take him 60 million days' labor to pay it off. It'd take him over 2,500 2, lifetimes to pay off the loan. He would be still working to pay off the loan today, and he'd only be just getting started. Be patient with me, and I'll pay back everything. You can look at that and go, okay, either this man is, is serious, and he's, and he's broken, and his heart is just open and, and lying out in front of the king, and he's just, he's just begging for mercy because he, he doesn't know what else to do. Otherwise, our friend here is a little bit dim. <laughs> he's not the sharpest tool in the set, if, if, if you get what I mean. Because he just doesn't understand how, just how much trouble he's in. He's standing, he's now on his knees before the king, begging for a little bit more time. The king does him one better Apparently the king looks at him with a broken heart lying on the floor and he sees that, that he is actually sorry and he's contrite. And he says to the man in verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. Presumably down those stairs. The man begs for a little bit more time and the king does him one better and just wipes it out clear. Essentially amounting to a $250 billion, a million zillion dollar gift that he just erases. Takes the page with the man's name on it, rips it out, crinkles it up, throws it in the recycle can and say, that's it, it's over, it's done, now go. How would you react? Like, like, Emotional equivalent, you know, I, I struggle to, to even put a concept behind it, but, you know, you're one of these people watching the Super Bowl when Publisher's Clearinghouse, you know, knocks on, the, uh, knocks on the door, and they have a sweepstakes that you won that you didn't know you entered, and there's, there's guys out there with the van and balloons and the oversized cardboard check, and it's like, here you go, and right behind them is, is another one, and right behind them is another one. In fact, there's, there's a thousand of them lined up at your front door just waiting to offer you these these giant cardboard checks to say, here, here's your winnings. It's a free gift to you. I mean, how do you react when you get that kind of news? It's crazy. And then, I mean, you accept it and you take a day like signing all those big checks with your oversized pen you know, and then you, you, know, you see your neighbor who did some work for you, some, some contract labor. Not, not a whole lot, you know, painting, drywall work, you know, maybe touch up a few things, some ceiling work, put in a light. You owe him a few thousand bucks, nothing to sneeze at. I'm sorry, he owes you a few thousand bucks, not nothing to sneeze at, right? I mean, it's, it's still a few thousand bucks, but, you know, you, you, you want the, the money from him here. You know, you, you did all that labor for him, and, and now you, you should get paid for the work that you did how do you react when you get there and you meet them? You know, you walk down the courthouse stairs just walking on air. The tears of, of, of sorrow begging for your life and your wife's life and the children's lives, Tears of sorrow are replaced with tears of joy. You don't walk, but you float down those stairs, not touching a single one on the way down. And then you, you, you meet the neighbor who owes you a few thousand bucks and Do you care? After getting a gift like that. Here's where it gets weird. Verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, nothing small, a few months worth of extra work. He grabbed him and began to choke him Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant, now the friend, the neighbor, fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. You notice it's the same line. Almost an exact echo of the same plea that he did for his master for so much more money. Almost line for line, he's begging for his life. The same tear of sorrow is in his his fellow servant's eye, streaming down. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that happened, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to do so. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just like I had on you? In his answer, the ma- uh, in his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. In <laughs> a crazy statement of Jesus. This, by the way, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you, unless you forgive a brother or sister. And by the way, from your heart, you know, just forgive. But he on this little little line from your heart, so so this is business about you know I'm going to forgive, but I'm not going to forget, or, or this business of you know, I'm going to love him, you know, God bless him because nobody else will. <laughs> I'm going to love him, but I don't have to like him. No, no, Jesus says, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I want to make two observations, two takeaways for us uh, this morning. First one, I think it's intentional that Jesus says a million zillion dollars. I think it's intentional that Jesus goes to the maximum amount he can easily say in just two simple words. Uh, 10,000 bags of gold, that is. I think it's, it's, it's important for us to realize that because among other things, Jesus is just making a statement about all of us who would read this passage so many years later and just to tell each and every one of us, you know what? There, there is not a debt that you can owe that God cannot forgive you for. There is not an amount of sin that you could, you could accomplish in your lifetime that God could not atone for, that God could not pay for. I have a, a friend who talks about, you know, what it was like when uh, addiction just held such a, an incredibly tight grip on his life, and he says, you know, I thought for some reason like I was special. Like, God could forgive everybody else of all this other garbage. But, but for some reason, I was so unique that I was unforgivable. Like, my sins were so bad before the Father, before the, the King, that he wouldn't forgive me. And I think Jesus breaks in here and says, even if it's a million zillion, there's no amount that can't be paid for, that can't be forgiven. That's number one. Two more complicated because what troubles me about this passage, and I think what troubles you two coming into it, is, is in the character of the king, which is clearly Jesus talking about relationship with the Father, with God. What's troubling about the king is that, is that he writes this note of forgiveness. It tears the page out of the book, crinkles it up, throws it away. And then based on what happens next, chooses to go back to the recycle, takes it out, Spreads the wrinkles out and saying, you know what, I changed my mind, I'm calling it in. Troubling for me to think that God would do that. And along with that, it troubles me. It's just a curious thing, really, that, that after the, the, the thousand publishers clearing house, people line up at the front door, you know, and, and hand over the big checks with the balloons attached. It's bizarre that after replacing the tear of sorrow with the tear of joy, after floating, not walking down the stairs, he, he meets the man who owes him a few thousand bucks and, and chokes him and calls it in. It, it's just weird because I can't fathom anybody else reacting that same way. And I think that both questions, is God like that? Are we like that? I think they have the same answer. Which is to say, I think that what happened is that God rips the page out of the book and offers the forgiveness of the million zillion extends it to the man but see here's the thing when the man was on his knees and he cried the tears of sorrow I don't think they were ever replaced with tears of joy I don't think that he floated not walked down the stairs I I don't think that the man let himself off the hook for the debt that he owed I think when he said I'll pay back everything it's completely unrealistic, absurd as it sounds, I think the man held him to that very standard of trying to pay the king back for every single wrong thing that he did, as if the future was going to be any different than the past. You know, if anything, he's going to find himself in 20,000 bags owed to the king. But, But nevertheless, I think the man takes it upon himself to pay it back. So as soon as he sees someone that can help jump start the campaign, and he owes him a few thousand dollars, he says, I need the money. I gotta pay the king back. And when he gets called back into the king, the king says, if those are the rules that you want to live by, Here's what happens next. There isn't a way for us to look at a passage like this and to somehow escape the reality that being forgiven of any amount, great or small, means that we don't have to forgive everyone for how they've offended us. There's no way to downplay that. It is what it is. But finding encouragement or finding any amount of grace between these words is the simple reality that when, when Publisher's Clearinghouse comes to your door or when the man is just given this giant, this fantastic gift of a million zillion forgiven, forgiven. You don't need me to tell you how to act when you get to the bottom of the stairs this week. If you just stand up, I'd love to pray for you. Pray for me. We will need it. Holy God, the the challenge if we can call it that that you've laid before us the the command the words that you've given us uh, here this morning to be a forgiving presence in your world god that is that is such a a, a high bar a tall order that there's there's no way we can follow through God, this week we admit together that we lean wholly on your grace and your compassion and your mercy. Holy Spirit, live in us. Give us this supernatural strength, this power to forgive, to, to more than that, Lord, give us the, the compassion and the foresight to look out, look for opportunities where we can forgive someone. And God, thank you for the million zillion that you've given us. Thank you for overlooking our faults, countless times, for more than that, paying for them on the cross, God. We are eternally grateful. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. (laughs)